You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Welcome to A Step Further, a weekly podcast of Kingsway Christian Church, where we take what we talked about on Sunday a step further. My name's Andy Lynch, filling in for Matt Nickison this week. And if you joined us on Sunday, you may remember... What I took away from the message, I stood on stage at the end of the service, sending everyone home with the phrase, no comparison. That continued to ring throughout my mind Sunday morning, and it continues to do so as well. No comparison. As I was preparing for this podcast, I asked my 10-year-old son, Nathan, what should I talk about that involved that phrase, no comparison? First, he said sports. What 10-year-old boy wouldn't say that? He loves sports. I love sports. He told me about a story that we read about Tony Dungy in his book that talked about how many of Tony's teammates on the late 70s Steeler teams were Christians. And while that's true, it didn't really line up with no comparison. We won't talk football here. Then he reminded me that the Bible verse for the week that he's studying involved... Yep, you guessed it, comparison. Isn't that great when our kids connect the dots? In fact, we had just read through it yesterday. It's in Exodus chapter 20. You may know it as part of the Ten Commandments. It's actually the last one. And to me, it's a little different than the first nine. If you're not familiar with the Ten Commandments, the first four talk about how we honor God. Things like having no other gods, making no images to worship, not misusing God's name, and keeping the Sabbath, his day of rest, holy. The next five are how we treat one another outwardly. Do we honor our parents? Do do we not kill people or commit adultery or steal or lie? Those are all actions that could hurt other people, and they're pretty apparent. They're pretty external. Although Jesus, later in the New Testament, says all those actions spring out of the heart, and they start internally. But the 10th commandment, the one that's my son's Bible verse for the week, is very internal to start and may never become external to the naked eye. Take a look. There's a couple sentences that are needed to describe it. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. As you hear that, you might say, ah, I don't really connect with that. I don't cover, covet my neighbor's wife or I don't have servants or my neighborhood doesn't allow oxen or donkeys. But then that last line, don't gloss over it. Don't covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. And as we read in the New Testament later on, when Jesus was asked, well, who's my neighbor? He revealed it's anyone, really, that comes in contact with us. Do people know when you're coveting their house or their job or the promotion that they got instead of you? Do people know when you're coveting their position in life, their success, at least that's what it appears to you? They may, but... They may not. They might think you're a good friend and that you guys get along really well, or they might just see a smiling face and not realize the hurt that is inside of you, of me, as we covet. Yet God thinks it's pretty important, I guess. He put it right there in the Ten Commandments because he knows the pain 
that comes from coveting. No comparison. If the Ten Commandments really are God's plan to live a fulfilling life for his people, to walk the way that we were intended to walk after the Garden of Eden when sin has invaded this world, then we, as followers of Jesus, as lovers of Yahweh, the God the Father, we need to take them seriously too. And what I've found in my time on this planet, I used to be able to say short time on this planet, but I don't know if I can use that short word anymore. What I've found in my time on this planet is God's plan is always, every time, the very best. That doesn't mean life is perfect. That doesn't mean life isn't full of hurts because our world is so sick, so broken. It has viruses, right? Not just coronavirus, but the virus of selfishness, the virus of sin, the virus of abuse, the virus of questions that have gone unanswered. But the way God intended in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve chose their way over his way, before death and union with sin was into this world, we had God's way. His way is good and right. And honestly, his way is perfect. And so we have this difficulty, this broken world with a perfect God, and God's trying to walk us through this world in the best way possible. And grace is the foundation for that. And we'll get to that later in the podcast. But I want to talk about God's playbook that he gives us. These Ten Commandments, a way to walk in the best way possible in a jagged world. How can we walk with no comparison? Well, I'm learning to train my eyes to be satisfied with what the Creator puts in front of them. That may seem difficult in a world full of options, but I think of a horse with blinders on. My son will be proud I, I brought horse racing, a sport, into this podcast. And my daughter, she'll be just as proud that I brought horses into this. She loves riding horses. I'm not aware of compare when I have blinders on. The horse is not aware of compare. I'm just focused on where God wants to guide me. And as I train my eyes and my mind and ultimately my heart to have no comparison, I find that this new life with God has no comparison. There's adventure and purpose where there used to be longing and dissatisfaction, wanting the next thing. Instead of longing for the things of this world that I think will make me happy and when I get them, they don't and I want more, we get to witness transformation that carries on to eternity as we sit with our Creator, our Father, who gave us this beautiful way to live, and we listen to His voice, and we act when He says act, and we walk when He says walk, and we turn when He says turn. I think of the story of the prodigal son when I think of comparison. The younger son was good at coveting. He asked his father for half the inheritance, and in one verse found out the fruitlessness of want. Luke 15, 13 says, not long after that, after he took his inheritance, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and then squandered his wealth in wild living. Just like that, it's gone. Money to spend, anything he wanted to spend it on, his eyes wide open to all the possibilities, no blinders, but the father in this story is so much like the father in our story. 
Because once the son later on humbled himself, willing to go home and even be a servant in his dad's house, the father runs and meets him. He throws a party for him. That's what our Heavenly Father does. My guess is it was a more fulfilling party with family and friends that he knew and reestablishing those relationships. Reunion is so sweet. Celebrating the return of the one that was lost. It's a glorious story. It's a glorious end to the story. A Super Bowl, a championship, except the story's not over. There's a side note. It's much more than a side note. It closes out the chapter. Verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called for his servants, asked them, What was going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. No comparison. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. I can feel the father say it. No comparison, son. Here's what he says in verse 31. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we have to celebrate and be glad. This brother of yours was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. I think the younger son got it. Let's do what the writer of Hebrews encouraged us to do. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Father wants to lead us in the best way possible. Will we follow his lead? There is no comparison for a life without comparison.